0: The mix room with Genelec.
1: Today we're welcoming record producer, composer, and songwriter Neil Davidge onto the podcast. Who is best known for his film and TV score work and production with Massive Attack. So, welcome, Neil. How are you today? I know you've got an extremely busy schedule, so we really appreciate you joining us today.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's quite quite insane actually. But then that, you know that's often the way with with um, TV shows these days. Uh, you're, you're working to a very, very tight deadline, um, so I think we're, we're sort of generally working on just over just over a week per episode, um, which which means writing between thirty and forty minutes worth of music and uh, recording it and mixing it and everything within that with that in. It within that amount of time and of course you know factoring in in client requests and uh, reviews and all those kinds of things so it's a lot of music to to write in a very short amount of time Mm. um but it's fun it's fun you know it's it's I think this the project I'm working on at the moment um Britannia season three I've, I've worked on the previous two seasons as well it's always um pretty chaotic um it's part of what makes the show um kind of really come alive um this these sort of crazy ideas that everyone has um and that sort of desire to despite the fact that you know we're you know we're at the 11th hour uh someone's come up with some crazy idea let's just do it let's try it you know and and we'll we'll kind of we'll see you know we'll we'll do our best to try and hit the deadlines but you know um but if we don't, then we don't. Yeah, <laughs> um, it seems seems to be sort of uh, the sort of general general rule, you know. Um, so it's 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 great. It's 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 fun, but it is um, it's quite demanding. Um, it's a it's a seven day a week, um, no days off until until you finish the project type project.
1: <laughs> Very intense then, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I think um, maybe some people will be surprised to hear about how quick the turnaround is or how little time you have when working in TV. I've certainly got that impression from a lot of the composers that I speak to that work on TV shows that you really don't have a lot of time. You might think someone's perhaps getting all this inspiration, maybe going on a nice country walk or something but it's probably in reality a bit more like you say um seven days a week probably locked in some kind of studio or home studio is that a bit more of what it's like is that the picture it, it is yeah
0: <laughs> well I've, I've 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 evolved this thing um especially sort of uh since lockdown um working from home and i, I live just outside of bristol so in, in in the countryside so we do have some lovely walks around here and and it actually really does help the head to Together, uh, you know, especially when you're you're facing a, you know, uh, writing three cues a day, um, and and you 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 can't even begin to think how you could start the first one. Uh, so going for a walk is is a is a really good way of sort of un- unlocking things and being able to sort of see things fr- um, get a perspective on everything but what i've actually been doing is you know the 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 job of composing isn't often isn't about actually making music bizarrely it's it's about organizing things um so whether that's speaking to clients or post-production supervisors or um editors uh you know sound designers all the people that you're going to have to kind of work uh, sort of fit in with um uh, but also you know when you're working on a show like this you have to have a team of people because otherwise you wouldn't be able to get everything done in time um so you you would have you know uh, assistants uh, arrangers musicians uh, orchestrators etc etc so so cutting cutting a short story long um when I go on my walks that's that's when I that's when I phone people (laughs) so I sort of kill two birds with one stone I get some exercise I get some fresh air plus I get to do all my phone calls um so I've had to evolve that that way of doing things uh, over, over the years because otherwise you know you just wouldn't be able to get everything done
1: yeah um it sounds like a very mad schedule so you've been working from home then i'm guessing for about a year is that right
0: i have been yeah i've i I'd, just I'd sort of managed to because i i have a i have an eight-year-old son so um a sort of young family uh i'm wanting to be around a bit more and when i'm working on a project i tend to i'm a bit of a method composer um, I I like to stay in character. Um, So when I'm on a project, you know, I get in the headspace of that project um, and I try not to break that concentration. Um, So that for me means working seven days a week. But what I've been trying to do over the years is work more from home on the weekends. So at least I get a little bit of family time. Um, But You know, so I'd put together a a kind of makeshift room um, to to do that work, and it was it was only really just to do sort of programming and editing and, and a little bit of writing. But since the pandemic, I've I've had to you know work from here pretty much all of the time I've still got the studio in Bristol which my assistant works works there and every so often I pop in mainly to use the internet because the internet (laughs) at home is 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 useless um uh so yeah I often if I've got any big files to download or upload I'll, I'll, I'll zip into the studio but I try try and work from home as much as possible now um which is which is nice it's nice and there, there are some frustrations, like I don't really have much natural daylight, and I don't really have room to swing a cat in in my, in my little room. But um, but it's 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 good, you know. It works for me. I've got a reasonable setup, and brought all my guitars home so I, I can you know do a reasonable amount of recording. Um, you get get sometimes get the the, the sound of birds um, <laughs> on the recordings um, and uh, various other things. We've just had a lot of work going on next door, so there's been a bit, been a bit drilling and um, but you can work around that. Um, yes.
1: Okay. Well it comes with its challenges. Um as we speak there is some kind of very loud vehicle outside of where I'm recording this. Um right. so it might be ca- it might be caught in the background. I think it might be the um the rubbish lorry uh, or something. Yeah. I, uh, so you know it happens, we know.
0: I did a project for um uh for for Disney um sort of Nat Geo Disney uh, last year which has just recently come out and um there's 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 one place I was recording some um ukulele for one one of the queues and and you can really clearly hear the birds in the background <laughs> um well, but i left nice. it in it sounded lovely yeah. it worked really well you know added to the ambience
1: <laughs> yeah and you can always say it was intentional
0: yeah exactly
1: perhaps <laughs> <laughs> and um i read as well so you studied art before you became a regular in the sort of local music scene in Bristol. And then, of course, you went on to become a producer, engineer, composer. So tell me a bit about your route into the industry. Because obviously with your background in art, it sounds like your interest suddenly switched at some point.
0: Yeah, I, I used to... Um, I, as, as a kid, I used to spend as much time painting and drawing as I, as I do making music these days. Um, uh, but I, I went to study graphic design. I think it was in... In in that period of studying graf- graphic design, I'd already started sort of um, put put together a little band with with some mates from school. Um, we had a sixth form band. Um, we just used to, we actually pretty much made our own instruments and used to you know go around to each other's mm. sort of houses and sort of jam. Sort what of was the name
1: mm-hmm. of the band?
0: Um, Oh, they, we we there are a bunch of different <laughs> stupid names. Um, one of the bands was was called the Club Waiters. Um, another band, um, I mean, these this these were all the same people in in the band. Uh, the other name we had was the Big Outdoor Type. Okay. <laughs> um, some yeah, there, there was a lot of humor in in the music that we made. And it was in that sort of post punk period where you can almost get away with doing anything, sort of mixing up sort of like uh trashy guitars with um sort of frank Sinatra and um and country and western you know you could sort of mash it all up together, which i actually i think in a big way informs what I do. These days, now that I think of it, um, the way we used to kind of mash things up, and I, it's it's still a, a thing that I do when I'm making music these days. I, I have this, you know, I worked on a project where I was thinking, you know, I almost want to get, um, uh, you know, sort of various kind of disparate musical you know musicians in into 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 a band and put them together and and that became the 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 concept for 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 the music I was making for this project um and uh I, I, st- I still very much kind of go back to those days of early early days of making music you know and making our own instruments and just being really interested in sounds. Um, it's still a big part of, of what I love about making music these days. Um, and it was so so then I went to college to study graphic design um, and uh, met other sort of bands. Um, we used to s- sort of set up gigs around Bristol. And just slowly but surely that's where my, you know, my passion sort of um, shifted to. Um and by the time i'd actually um sort of finished college and got myself a job, the last thing I wanted to do <laughs> was be a graphic designer i just wanted to wanted to make music all the time but i, I think i think it's you know i still i still have a very kind of visual um uh, approach to making music uh it's it's hard to describe but uh i i kind of see see how the music should should be formed um, and i see it in graphic um kind of graphic images how i can sort of combine different elements um, and that really sort of helps me sort of produce i think um, i think that was a big part of the, all the work that i did with massive attack was um imagining how these pieces of music how you would juxtapose you know one really Beautiful melodic thing with something angular and and noisy and something st- very structured with something very loose. Um, it's it's a it's a concept that sort of helped me um, and it's helped me communicate with other people I think as well people who are maybe visually led themselves. Uh, Dee from Massive Attack is 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 uh, a fantastic artist. Um, he spent a lot of his time painting, um, and so we, we used to often talk about music in a, in a very visual way, and of, of course, uh, an emotional way as well, uh, which is which is another big part of it. Um, yeah, sorry, I've probably gone off. off track.
1: No, no, it's fine, and like, I can actually I <laughs> I could hear the the birds in the background as well, so I can tell that you're telling the truth there, which is quite a nice background <laughs> noise to be honest. <laughs> um, no, it's great to hear about your work um with massive attack and obviously that that makes sense to what you said. You kind of say you've visualised music in a way and you can it's associated with images view, which would, you know, lend itself to the cinematic sound that people associate with massive attack. So that's nice to hear where that link comes from. And um of course you produced and co wrote their um seminal album, so Mezzanine, Hundredth Hundredth Window and um Heligoland, or is it heligoland Am I saying
0: that right? Heligoland. heligoland the, oh, the, right, the first yeah, time. Well,
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, tell me about when you first met them and how you got to work together.
0: Well, I, I sort of bumped into um, various members at, at, at different times you know, from from working in, in studios around Bristol. Um, I think when I first I first met Mushroom properly. Um, they, they used massive attack used to record at a studio called the House studios in bristol um, which was also where um porter's head started up um and and a bunch of other bands it was it was like a, a really cool rock and roll studio in, in in bristol and i i was renting a room it was actually a converted garage at the back of the studio uh and at the time i was working with a band called dna i don't know if you remember them
1: okay no i don't but
0: tell me more fame the of
1: course (laughs) yes yes
0: yes and so i I was working with them for many years um sort of producing and co-writing um they they after that they they got a a big deal with emi records um R.I.P. <laughs> um, uh, and um, so we, we were working with lots of different artists. You know, we worked with uh, worked with Kylie and Danny and all these kind of pop artists. Um, and it was during that time that I, I, I bumped into Mushroom from the band, and he and I got chatting about Midi and various other th- sort of. Uh, things and uh, he, he was he was really interested in in technology and um, I think he found it just very easy to talk to me about all that stuff and ask me questions so um he he he'd often you know ring me up and say so Neil how does this work and can you explain that to me and um and I think this was this was just after they'd released Blue Lines so it was already sort of kicking off for them um and uh and then it was kind of a few years later really after they they'd released protection their second album and um they were working with a couple of guys in bristol uh called the insects uh the insects uh, d- um, did a lot of work on protection um, co-wrote and produced a bunch of um, tracks for massive attack on that album um, and they're very, very talented guys. They do, they do a lot of scoring as well. Um, but they were working on a Nat Geo project, I believe, and um, had to go to LA to to finish it off. And they, but at the time, they were working on a track for the Batman Forever album um, with Massive Attack, with Tracy Thorn singing on it. Um, and they just, they just didn't have the time to finish it off. So I got the phone call from from um, their manager massive tax manager saying would I be up for you know sort of helping out and sort of finishing off the track uh, essentially co-producing it which you know I sort of jumped at the chance so that was the first time I'd actually been in the studio with them um, and um, I think it was at that point that D and I really got to got to bond um which i think is is really probably what formed the the sort of decision informed the decision for me to then go on and, and work with them on on mezzanine um because you know, we, we we you know, we shared a lot of musical histories, we've been to many of the same gigs together. You know, I'd say, Oh, I remember going to see Stiff, Stiff Little Fingers, and he was like, Oh, I was at that gig, and oh, Gang Fort, yeah, I was at that gig as well. And we, we found that we we had a love for the same, same music, um, and um, I think that really, really suited, um, his. I th- I think he right right back then he had ambitions for for Mezzanine to to follow a, a different path to to the previous albums and he wanted to pull in more of that post punk influence um that it uh, so, so greatly informed his you know his his um young life um and obviously he sort of mixed that with with the with the hip hop and and all the other influences, but he wanted to bring some of that and i I think he saw me as as an opportunity to to um kind of more fully grasp that side of of his of his um love of music um so yeah, and so they they I got the phone call, and initially I was just, they 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 called me their programmer. <laughs> no, they called me they called me their engineer, and and I think um I was I was introduced to people by by their manager, you know almost all the time as uh, this is this is Neil uh, Maspero's engineer, um and it's it's funny that you should sort of like should mention that you know um as as one of the things that I do. And it's, it's actually really so far from the truth. <laughs> I am not an engineer. I really okay. I, make, I just make it up as I go along. <laughs> you know, I, I find out the information that I need when, when I need it. Um, and I've, I've, you know, I've learned a lot of things over the years just through um, trial and error um, and necessity. But um, I'm, I'm not, I wouldn't call myself an engineer. Uh, I always say okay. okay. Uh, I prefer, to, prefer to get someone else to do that um, so that I can just focus on on the um on, on the music and uh, on the performance and uh, on the uh, the emotion
1: and obviously you worked with them for a while so how did their signature sound evolve and how were you part of shaping that well
0: um well I I, I was a you know Back when we started working on Mezzanine, um, I mean the guys—the guys are very talented, um, but they're not traditional musicians. So they—I think Mushroom could play a little bit, but neither um, D or, or Grant could, can, can play an instrument. So um, they're, they're, they're quite an unconventional band, and I, I don't even know if if the band if the term band really really suits them um and and it sort of goes beyond Mass attack goes beyond just the music that they make there's there's another sort of thing going on there which I don't really know how to describe it uh, so I, I was you know i was pretty much the sole kind of musical person in in the setup so i got to do everything from from um from programming to, to engineering, engineering and recording, uh, playing, um, uh, obviously producing, writing, and even at times, you know, some aspects of managing um, the, the band. So uh, I think just from, from, from the point of view that, you know, there wasn't one thing that happened in the studio that I wasn't present for. Um, meant that you know I had a a, a pretty big influence on on things um, and you know and often often the guys would come in and 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 do their thing and um, and sort of listen to what I'd been working on and give you know tell me what they what they thought and and we'd sit and kind of work things together but then they would go uh, and then I would be left to... To make that stuff come together, to to kind of fully realise those ideas, and you know, often that that would happen when I, when I was actually working on my own. Um, so, I, I just I, th- I think by the very fact that I was there so much <laughs> um, meant that I had a big influence on on what was going on. Um and I'm I'm very I'm very passionate about what I do and, and you know once I've got an idea um I really do follow it to to the ends of the earth um to, to capture it. Um and that doesn't necessarily mean that um that I'm not listening to what everyone else is looking for. I think I, I'm very good at finding the collective um idea of what a piece of music should be and then making internalizing that myself and then following that path. So it's not just, you know, this is the way I want it to be and bugger the band. Um, It it would always be in conversation with, with everyone um, in conversation with D in particular, you know, as it worked out over the years that we would come up with a collective idea of what we were, what we were trying to achieve. And then I would, I would be the person to, to track that down and and to make it happen.
1: I see. And um, I think the song that most people know... most from them is Teardrop. Um, of course, it went on to be the theme song for House, and uh, I actually know it because I used to watch this really angsty show when I was a teenager called As If, and it was on that. And I was like, "What is this right. song?" And that, it's probably been used in tons and tons of programs, but that's just the one I know it from. And obviously, it yeah. was picked for a very dramatic moment. Of course, it's a very dramatic sort of cinematic. It's normally, someone song. taking drugs,
0: or you know, there's, there's it, <laughs> someone's, you know, someone's it was something depressing, yeah, suicide or something like
1: that. I think it might have been actually you both. <laughs> Yeah, things are one it's of those
0: things very, it's, it's never for, for a, you know particularly pleasant things mm.
1: <laughs> yeah exactly and um i guess it just lends itself to that but it is very widely used so you know yeah. it's been a good successful song but did you have a feeling that it would go on to be as big as it did become um
0: i don't i often don't really think about the music i'm making in those terms mm. um I, I, I think probably probably a lot of musicians would would say the same that it's it's almost it's almost important not to think about it in those terms. Just think about what it means to you, and just to really focus on that. Um, and and you know if if you know, with any piece of music, if my my opinion is if it moves me, and that's not necessarily kind of in a sort of you know it moves me because it's beautifully sad, or if it moves me because it's aggressive and and energetic. Um, if it moves me then uh, then there's a chance it will move other people um and and so that's what I focus on sort of trying to you know f- to get the music so so that I feel it um, and once once it feels right to me then i i I just over the years i've 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 uh, I've managed to 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 have faith that uh, it will move other people. And I think that's probably being played out by, by the, you know, how successful certain things like, like teardrop, um, those, those songs have been. Um And it's, so it's, it's really simply just me saying, is this moving me? Uh, the last thing I can think about really is, is whether it's going to connect to someone else. And even when, even when I've got record companies or, or, or managers saying that we're having conversations with radio and this literally happened. Um, the manager said, I've been talking to radio one and they would really love to su- support massive attack, but they're just asking, could, could we make the music a bit faster? <laughs> um, and, uh, and I was like, Uh, no no we can't you know this is the music we're making you know and I think part part of my job as a producer was was to protect the band from all that bullshit really Um, and and for 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 us to be as authentic as we possibly could you know and if that means making slow music that no one wants to buy then so be it. You know, I, I think it's more important to, to to be authentic than it is to to try and kind of fit you know all these round pegs into square holes. You know, it it, it just it doesn't work. And I, I I think I think an audience is is perceptive enough to know when it's when it's not honest. Um, and I, I I think that one of the reasons why that in particular that album was was so successful successful is because it it was really honest um you know there was a lot that went into to making that album it took several years uh there's a lot of band infighting. um yes. a lot of working very very long hours trying trying to pull that together and, and to to make it happen um, and there's a lot of protecting of of people's integrity um whether it's kind of you know with with liz i used to set her up um to 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 sing and and she she, you know she's she's a a, a, um she's very nervous of of performing in front of other people which you know um, might seem ridiculous because of how successful she's been as as, as a vocalist, but um, and how accomplished she is as as a singer. But that that's, that's the simple truth. She she is really nervous of singing in front of other people. Um, so I, I used to set her up so that she could be in the room on her own and work around her ideas, and then call me when she was ready to 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 commit something. Um, and um, it's. Yeah it's it's always a part of the part of the the job of producing that um that uh, I I don't really I don't compromise on I try not to compromise on um and, and allow people people their space to to be as as much themselves as as they possibly can be.
1: Mm, and I like that you didn't sell out as it were to make it more radio friendly it wouldn't be the same music then um <laughs> of no, losing it completely would
0: yeah, imagine sort of take, taking Teardrop up 10 BPM. I mean, it <laughs> just, just wouldn't work.
1: <laughs> Absolutely not. Yeah, I read that there was a bit of an um, unconventional workflow for that album in particular, you know, band members coming and going and disagreements. I also heard that um, the, the track was also offered to Madonna. Is that right for the lead vocal at one point?
0: Yes, yes. Um that, that you know that, that was the the um beginning of the end uh-huh. to, to some degree when when um uh mushroom eventually left the band um be, before we started a hundredth window. Um and he I don't know why, but he just didn't um he wasn't into into to liz's vocal he wasn't into the song and he i I don't know how he made the contact um but he'd he'd spoken to madonna and spoken to madonna's manager about the track and actually sent it over to her uh, and she, she'd gotten back in contact saying, I love this, it's is fantastic, is, is this for real? Um, uh, so her manager called, Massive Tax Manager, and I, I was literally working in the studio on 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 a Sunday um, when I got the call from, from Mark, the manager, saying, um, so, uh, you know, I've spoken to Madonna's manager and he's got this track called Teardrop and um, he wants to wants to know whether whether it's for real (laughs) um and this is the first you know i or or any of the other members of the band had heard about it so uh it was it was yeah it was pretty controversial and Mm. caused a lot of lot of arguments within the band um and they it was already a bit fractious um they're they're i mean I I I love all the guys but but they you know they have their, their their personality traits um and they can very easily piss each other off and piss other people off <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know it certainly had had it more than a few times when when I've I felt pissed off with with one or more of them um but so and and, and they're quite unconventional as well again you know the term band really doesn't really work for for massive attack and it it just it just led to a situation where I would be in the studio, Mushroom would come in for a couple of hours, uh, and then I'd get a call from the manager saying Dee wants to come into the studio, can you let Mushroom know so that he can leave? <laughs> and uh and, and it was it was probably like that for the last year of, of working on the project. Um uh where you know, I would only ever have one member of the band in the studio um, at a time, and and to, I think to some degree that was what was happening before anyway, because they they all have very different styles. Mushroom used to turn up at early in the day, sort of around lunchtime, uh, and and D always he was always he felt creative in the evening and at night, so he would always turn turn up later. So to some degree. It, that was already going on because of their their different styles um but that really sort of that really was the was the final nail in the coffin mm. um right so not long after we finished mezzanine um I think there was a tour that was booked um so mushroom went out on that but by the time that tour finished i think he you know he'd he'd left the band.
1: I see. Well now that you explain it I can see why it was a little bit um tricky to film uh to, to make this album then all with these different things going on and different ideas, but um you you'd never know listening to it, would you?
0: No, and I I I I, I, I... Well, actually, that's that's the funny thing because I actually I, I do actually hear it within the album. I, I, I hear, you know, it's not it's not like I, I listen to it every day, you know. I, if if ever I hear something like, I, you know, the show I'm working on now, Britannia, uh, they want to license Teardrop for for the last episode. I, I think it's. Obviously, because I'm, I'm, you know, working on the on the project and because um, James, who's the the lead producer on Britannia, um, I got him tickets to see Mass Attack a couple of years ago oh, in Bristol. So he, I know he's a bit of a fan anyway. Um, uh, but, um, yeah, they're, they're, they want to license the track. Oh, what was I about to say? I've gone, off, gone off, off-piste again.
1: Um, you're talking about... Uh, Britannia wants to license it. You said you could hear it on the album. Sorry, on um, yes, messaging.
0: yeah. So yeah, I, I I get to every so often. I get to hear a track from from the album, and I, you know, it's probably because you know I I because of all of that stuff that happened. I you know I can I, I sense it within the music, um, but I, I I think it was a good thing. I think it really actually helped give the. Uh, album some energy, some some um, momentum um because of because of all of the arguments that are actually happening at the time. Um I I definitely I probably use that as 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 energy as as fuel for sort of getting things done. I know that teardrop you know when when I heard when I heard um that uh you know my my first thought was okay so how do you know if if mushrooms going to give that that particular version to to um to madonna uh, i'm going to i'm going to pull together uh, a a different version of the track which is what i did mm. um and it was literally on that sunday i'm like okay so if, if we don't have the elements that mushroom brought to the track, what what'll be left with? And we had the harpsichord, harpsichord part that I'd written um, and Liz's vocals. and I said, okay well let's let's just get rid of everything else uh, pretty much. And then um, brought in the, the piano stuff, did all the piano stuff, pulled in um, some, some different beats, and basically, did on, on on that Sunday, put together a whole new version of the track, which is the basis of what um, what we finally released. I mean, there was a fair, fair amount more work that we did on it, but that was the foundation of of of, of the album version that that we hear today. I see. So, um, so yeah. So, it, you know, I I think all of that stuff it it does inform the music you're making it's it's you know it's life you know if if you have an argument with with your partner in the morning you go into the studio some of that energy is going to go into the music you Mm -hmm. make um it's, it's part of what makes music really connect with other people is the fact that it's it is inspired by life it's not that we you know as, as composers or you know artists that we spend all our time sitting around listening to you know the old classics and and sort of and try and replicate those it's, it's no we're experiencing life and we're we're you know um we're creating music that the um connects to those emotions that we feel in life mm mm-hmm absolutely that's
1: that's,
0: that's the real magic of it.
1: yeah and um of course all of this work that you did with massive attack that cinematic sound led to your scoring and tv tv work um so one of them that was really interesting i thought was you worked with snoop dogg um scoring music for in prison my whole life a documentary about u.s death row journalist and um you know what was your approach to this how did you um collaborate with snoop on this
0: well, actually, uh, so Snoop uh, was due to uh, come to the studio in Bristol, um, and I don't, you don't really? know if you remember Bristol. this. <laughs> yes, yeah, he was, he was coming up to Bristol with his entourage, of course. and we, we were sort of primed for it. Um, and um, and literally, the, we we were in the studio, sort of thinking, well, he's probably landed now. <laughs> uh, he's coming into Heathrow. And I, I don't know if you remember back, but it was on all the news that Snoop Dogg had been kicked out of the country and refused entry. And that was because he was coming to see see us and work with us in the studio. Really? Um, yeah, yeah. So he wasn't allowed into the country. So we, we never actually got to sit with him, um, which is a real shame because I'm sure it would have been a laugh. Uh, so he did his. Uh, we, we worked on a track together. Um, that was for, for the end titles of of, of the film, um, and um, so he he ended up recording his his vocals remotely. Um, which was a real shame the same same happened not not the same but uh, we also worked with with David Bowie on a on a on a track and um, he was in New York and we were in Bristol so you know it always seems really glamorous when you you talk about all of these these people that you've you've worked with in inverted commas but you yeah. know um, I, I, you know it, it, it's often that you know you put down a track, you send it to someone, and they do their thing, and then they send it back to you you know and If you manage managed to get a couple of phone calls in with each other then then that's great but um I think a lot a lot of the time these collaborations uh, happen remotely and and sadly that was one of those um, mm. um yeah there, there there were lots of lots of collaborations with massive attack, but invariably, I would be in the studio in Bristol. And, um, you know, the magic would be happening somewhere else.
1: (laughs) I see, I see. Oh, that's quite a funny story, although probably not for Snoop at the time that he wasn't allowed into the country. I have a feeling Mm. I can remember what that's for, but uh, maybe that's for uh, another conversation for another time. (laughs) And Mm. um, yeah, so you've done some gaming as well, gaming music, should I say, and you composed the soundtrack to Halo 4 in 2012. So just interested how different it is your approach composing for a game when compared to say a film or a tv series
0: yeah um i it was it was really difficult actually <laughs> i'll be honest um it was, it was a bit of a you know sorry to swear but a head fuck um <laughs> that's that, that, um you know because I, I i am so so visually led uh and 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 st- when you're composing for film, it's it's almost like it's all happening there in front of you, and, and the song has already been written, and all I'm doing is is coming up with an interesting arrangement for it. Um, that's kind of how how I feel about film and TV. So so with a game, when someone would say, "Yes, there's there's going to be someone's going to be racing around shooting aliens," um, and you know, okay, so so how 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 do they feel about this and whose perspective am, am i am i composing for and you know, and and what happens so so they go from here to here to here to here uh and and with with gaming it's just like well uh it's we don't know what's going to happen we don't know which way people are going to play the game we don't know how long they're going to take to to do a certain task um we don't know when you know which order they're going to they're going to do these tasks there's there's just so much of it that is just completely up in the air um so as a composer i I think at the end of the day you know the best thing you can do is just write a load of great music um and then hand it over to to the the people who implement it into the game and, and hope that it kind of comes together and and then try sort of tie, try to tie in tie together the the loose ends but um for me i I really struggled because i I really needed to know what was happening with the characters and what they were feeling and what they were going through and that that's always been you know that kind of the human aspect to it has always been where my my interests have have, have laid. um in making music, you know, even back in the days when I was producing sort of pop songs for for people, I would always be interested in the lyric, and you know, what what does the lyric mean to to to, to the singer? Um, and and I'd want to s- spend time talking about that um, and, and investing our energies in, into that, you know. And ultimately, you know, I'd be told by the A and R guy, you know, that's not inter- that's not important. You know, all I care about is the hook. Um, so working on a game uh, where literally I just had a few artists' impressions, mm-hmm. um, uh, to, to, to go off, uh, in writing music was, was, was a real struggle. I, I you know, I got there in the end, but, um, it, uh, I did, I did find it g- Quite frustrating get, getting my head around the concept. I think I and understand it. You know, by the time I got to the end of working on the project, I, I understood understood the process more, and and found a way to to un, unlock or or to get to to, to get what I needed mm. um, from the project in order to actually make the music that they needed. Um, but it was it was not a straightforward process, and and at times I felt like i'm just generating music in a kind of uh, you know in, in a random fashion mm. uh, uh, in in order to to uh just give them as many minutes of 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 music as possible um
1: I know you're a big Genelec fan as well and you've got three systems, haven't you? You've had your trusty pair of 1030As since working with Massive Attack in the 90s and they're now yeah. in your hastily together, uh, put together sort of pandemic home, home studio as you were. So they've clearly been your touchstone monitors ever since. So what's made with you stick with, stick with those the whole time?
0: I don't know what it is. There's just something about them that feels like it's part, like they're part of the family in a weird way um i mean i know i know it's actually it's the sound as well that that's important um but i just um i think that they're they're not particularly hyped which is really nice but they don't sound like ns10s like sort of like boxes there's there's just a sort of a clarity to them that you know there's there's they're not particularly particularly bassy speakers but I know I, I can hear what I need to hear on them um it, the, the low end is clear um that the top end isn't too bright and fizzy um but it but it's there and it's clear they just feel like really very very clear monitors um and I almost always know where I am with them. When whenever I I kind of, you know, play something through those speakers, I always know where I'm at with it. There's never sort of oh I better sort of just check these frequencies and make sure I need to check on loads of different systems. It's like with especially with the with the with the ten thirties, uh I don't know. They they just feel they feel like um like real life really <laughs> in, a, in a bizarre way um they they feel like that's the music without any without any sort of hyping um which is which is really nice to know um and they're they're not tiring speakers as well i think that, you know I can listen to them for hours and hours and days and days and months and months um and especially when when we've when we've actually finally mixed something you know I can get get um a lot of pleasure out of listening to the music um but i can also you know um you know that they're, they're they're great at telling me what's what's wrong with a with with, with a piece as well but, um so so they're, they're good from the point of view of of just writing which most of the time that's what i'm doing i'm writing and arranging um I'm, i don't really do I, I don't do the final mixes these days. Um I get someone else to do that for me. Um Rupert Coulson, who um is one of the Air Studios engineers. Mm-hmm. Um he, he does does all my mixing these days. But you know, I, I do I'm balancing as as I go and, and I'm playing around with sounds. So I do, you know, I do sort of touch on on mixing. Um he's but it's always goes finally through him. Um so it's, it's it's always great you know when he sends me a bunch of mixes and I just sit down and I listen to them and it's it's really pleasurable so I think they're just really good all round monitors um they feel for me like part of the family mm. I've I've whenever I've I've actually done music done mixes myself on the speakers they translate really well on other systems um so yeah I I I just trust them and and I think it's it's really it, when there there are so many variables um when when you're making music uh, you just need those those sort of things that are stable that you know you can count on and your your speakers i <laughs> that's just a fundamental you know to to really know those speakers and really have spent a lot of your life listening to to music through those speakers whether it's just music for pleasure or or or, or your work um is is uh, it's fantastic to have that um have it th- that there and it re- they really are my my touchstone touchstones i'm mean, not just touchstone monitors but touchstone as far as making music um to to to, to really know where i'm at with with whatever i'm working on
1: mm, clearly you can really tell from listening to you talk about them and how intrinsic they've been for you and clearly you've stuck with them since the 90s so that's um incredible really were they the first X you ever started using then or was it a different model
0: I'm trying to think. I, I think I might have bought the 1032s first, okay. um, uh, and I yeah, I believe that's yeah. So they they were sort of towards the end of the 90s, and then quite quickly after that, I got the the 1030s. Um, uh, and uh, I think I was I was using the 1032s for quite a long time as as my main monitors. Uh, but I, I found myself more and more going to to the 1030s as 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 the um, as my my main setup, mm. um, and just turn, turning on the 1032s just just when, when when I I was working with other people really when when I just needed to um, connect more with uh, the other people in the room. Mm. When I was ever ever working on my own, it was the 1030s, um, and, and that's pretty much the same. The way that i work now at at, at home i have the 1030s so i brought those back from the studio i've got the 1032 setup at the studio i've got the 5.1 surround system there as well which um every so often i I sort of check check mixes on um i don't really tend to work in 5.1 myself um Every so often, I might, you know, Rupert might come down and actually mix something in in, in my studio. So we'll set up the system there, and you know, he he actually really likes them. He's 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 worked on that system um, a, a few times.
1: Mm, okay. Uh, yeah. Excellent. And obviously, you're working in your makeshift studio, so have the speakers <laughs> adapted in there?
0: It's it's a massive compromise, uh, and I certainly wasn't meant to be working in here seven days a week. Um, but I don't really have much choice at the moment. I am planning to 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 build a studio in the garden, and we've we're sort of we've we've got we've got the plans. Um, we're just looking for for planning approval. Um, I was hoping to be in this summer, um, but it's probably going to be more likely um, mm. sort of November. Um, because I've, I've got another project starting pretty much straight after Britannia finishes in um, Britannia finishes in second week of July. And then I think I've got this other project starting at the end of July, which will take me up to sort of uh, middle of November, I think. Um, so, uh, I mean, at that point I will be um, looking at how, you know, how the room sounds, but, this studio at home is just like i don't really have much choice i have i have to work here mm-hmm. um and um and uh, and i'm i'm not mixing here and i the the general they sound pretty damn good um i have to say in this room so it's it's a it's a small room but um but but it's it it serves its purpose at the, at the, at the moment
1: mm. And have you been using um, that very studio and those Genlex on Britannia then, and all your recent stuff?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The last, um, so I was working on a show called All or Nothing for Amazon beginning of last year, um, as about um, Tottenham Hotspur. Um, so that was the first project that I, I did in lockdown, um, and I and I brought you know a bunch of things back from the studio and including the, the genlex um so that i could work on that and then and then after that we went into a project called earth moods which is on disney plus at the moment um uh which you know i mean this this setup worked really well on that i mean it was, i think we we had we had a bit more time to work on that project project which was nice um i, th- I think we had three weeks per per, per episode or, or per film um but it uh and, and and i did a lot of recording myself at home a lot of um guitar guitar work um playing uke um various other things um yeah and the, the the system kind of works it's you know i've got stuff around is not particularly professional you know um it's kind of having to having to make do but i've i've got what i need to make music and that you know I, I think it's one of the things these days is, is you don't actually really need a huge amount to to make music you just you just need imagination um and passion really there's there's the there's the two fundamentals of making good music
1: yeah. And enough time in the day to do it, which I'm guessing you currently don't have.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that goes a long way. Yes,
1: it does. Um, Speaking of which, I think I've taken up quite enough of your time for today and you need to get back to um, sorting out this stuff for Britannia, don't you? So um, thank you so much for taking this time out of your day. I know you're so busy on this project. We really appreciate you joining us on the podcast today.
0: Oh, it's been a pleasure. It was lovely to speak to you.
1: And to you as well, just to find out about your workflow and the projects you've done and just hearing about all your historic projects with Massive Attack, it's just incredible to hear firsthand what went into making these big albums. Um, You never know what's going on behind the scenes, I suppose, do you?
0: You really don't, no. There's... (laughs) there's a there's a lot of life going on behind all all of that stuff
1: Mm, mm -hmm. um
0: there are are many more stories
1: okay well (laughs) perhaps i'll write the book one yes yes (laughs) i was saying perhaps we could hear about those another time but um after your project's done of course so i will let you go thank you again so much and i hope best of luck with the project and getting it all finished and everything
0: oh thanks very much
1: you're very welcome all right bye then bye bye bye
0: headliner radio supporting the creative community